Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and the first few verses Verse 1 contains a warning about superficial faith. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't be one who, who pretends to receive Christ, who pretends to believe the gospel, who pretends that you are a Christian, one who has received, as it were, the grace of God. Don't receive it in vain, Because God knows your heart. And if that's not true faith, he knows it. You might fool others, but you can't fool God. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. That's the warning. But that's followed in verse 2 by an encouragement. And the encouragement, given through the citation of an Old Testament text in Isaiah 49, basically tells the Corinthians, and we by extension, that God has been exceedingly merciful to widen the stream of grace to reach the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Not just Israel, not just the physical seed of Abraham, not just the Jews, as the Jews were quite prone to think was the case, but God has in his kindness, in These days after Jesus Christ died on the cross, and that's when all of this began, that's when the the door was opened wide to, to everyone in all the world, God has extended his grace worldwide, therefore receive it gladly, value it, take advantage of it, and don't presume upon it, as we are all prone to do. The nation of Israel presumed upon the grace of God that came to them. They didn't deserve it, but they began to act as if they did, as if it were their birthright. Well, the majority of them died outside of salvation, even though they were members of the chosen nation. And the same thing can happen among Gentiles. How many people claim to be Christians, but they don't take it seriously, They just have made an empty profession of faith. They may have been encouraged to do so by shoddy styles of evangelism. And therefore, though the grace of God has come to them in a flood, in a way that it did not come to Gentiles before Jesus Christ rose from the dead and said to his disciples, Now go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
prior to that time, when he sent out these very same disciples, he said to them, do not go to the Gentiles. Do not go to the Samaritans. Only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Those were the words of Christ during his lifetime before the cross. Please do not neglect to understand what a privilege we have today. What wideness there is in God's mercy that was not there until Christ rose from the dead. So, understand that, take encouragement from that, and humbly accept it, revel in it, and and act accordingly. Believe the message of the gospel. Receive the grace of God. Serve the God of grace. That's what Paul is saying. But we go on from there, and I pause and welcome you to this Wednesday, January 18 edition of the Beacon Broadcast. Thank you for tuning in today, and many thanks to those whose financial gifts keep us teaching on this station. Paul goes on in verses 3 and following with a very sobering reminder, and that reminder is that serving Christ is costly. It is demanding. There are hardships. There are sacrifices. And we must be willing to pay the cost. Salvation is free, but serving God is costly. And yet, we want to serve Him if we've truly been saved. We are called upon to serve Him out of gratitude for what He has done for us. He has bought us unto Himself. He owns us. He redeemed us. He bought us out of slavery, the slave market of sin, and redeemed us unto himself. And now he owns us, and he says, Let your bodies be given to God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You give God everything. That's just reasonable. That's reasonable service. That's reasonable worship. But it is costly. And so Paul says in verse 3, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. We talked about that on the broadcast yesterday. He was saying, to serve Christ, you need to be careful not to give unnecessary offense. Make sure that if people are stumbling over the message of the gospel, it's not because of you, not because of your inconsistent Christian life, not because of your shoddy testimony, not because of your immorality, not because of your dishonesty, your failure to pay your bills, not because of your hypocrisy. How many people, how many people do we talk to about the gospel and they say, oh, I'm not going to believe that because of all of those hypocrites? Well, (laughs) many times, of course, they're just justifying their unbelief by blaming it on others instead of being honest and saying, I don't want to repent. I don't want to turn from my sins. I don't want to be cleansed and made righteous and my life changed. I like my sin. I don't want it to change, and that's why I reject the gospel. But rather than saying that, I say it's those hypocrites in the church. But having said that, we all bow our heads in shame to acknowledge that there are hypocrites in churches. 
and hypocrites are a barrier to the gospel. And it is the challenge of every Christian to make sure that you are not one of them. You can't answer for all the others, but you can answer for yourself. And that's what Paul does in verse 3. We, meaning himself and the members of his missionary team, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. We give no offense in anything. You know, that's a, that's a broad statement. I think that statement is even broader than areas of sinfulness, such as immorality and dishonesty and other areas of, of violations of God's Word. But I think it even spills over into the area of Christian liberty. And I say this on the basis of what the Bible teaches us about Christian liberty. And there is such a thing as Christian liberty. And there are many Christians who don't understand it and don't appreciate it, don't accept it as being true. But it is true that things that the Bible does not forbid, Christians are allowed to partake or to participate in those things. But there's far more in Scripture about the voluntary curtailing of my Christian liberty than there is in the celebratory participation in areas of Christian liberty. And that's part of it, too, because if there are things that the people we are trying to reach think Christians should not do, even if they're wrong, we should be careful not to give offense because, in other words, we should be willing to give up our liberty for the cause of the gospel. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. We give no offense in anything. We not only are careful to eliminate stumbling blocks that have to do with sinning in ways that people know we are sinning, such as immorality and dishonesty and so forth, but even in those areas where we have liberty. And, and it's going to be different in every cu culture. It's going to be different in every situation. In America, there are an awful lot of people who firmly believe that a Christian should not drink alcohol, that the Bible forbids that. Now, I want to tell you that's a misunderstanding of Scripture. The Bible does not forbid partaking of alcohol. The Bible forbids drunkenness, and there is a difference. In other words, the Bible allows alcohol in moderation. But if my partaking of alcoholic beverages is going to be a stumbling block to somebody else believing the gospel because they've been raised to believe the Christians ought not do that. Now, they themselves are not Christians, so they feel free to do it. But here's someone who calls himself a Christian who's doing what they're quite convinced is sinful, and that person is trying to tell them that they need to repent of their sins and trust Christ and their response is prone to be, well, what about you? You're sinning openly and, and are, are 
demanding the right to do it, insisting upon the right to do it, rubbing it in people's noses. I've got the right to do this. See me? Watch me? I'm just amazed and grieved at how many Christians insist upon exercising this liberty of moderate partaking of alcohol in the most public way possible. They not only allow themselves that liberty, but they champion it. They they promote it. They publicize it. They placard it. They want everybody to know that they are mature Christians who have this liberty, and they are going to exercise it no matter who says what. That's not what the Bible teaches. Just one phrase will straighten that out, where Paul talked about the liberty of eating meat offered to idols, and he said, it's okay. But he said, if meat cause my brother to offend, that's the exact word that's used here in verse 3, we give no offense in anything, that our ministry may not be blamed. If meat causes my brother to offend, what does Paul say? I will eat no meat while the world stands. I'll eat no meat as long as the world <laughs> is... is uh, still here, until the end of the age. I will give it up. I have the liberty to eat this meat. I've just taught you that. I've, I've told you that it's not sinful to eat meat that has been offered to idols. But if it becomes a stumbling block to somebody else in their reception of the gospel, then that becomes sinful. Not the act itself that is sinful before God, but it is the inconsideration, the lack of love, the selfishness of insisting upon exercising my Christian liberty, no matter who says what about it. Christians are called to a higher standard. We, said Paul, give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.